You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. everyone, welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend as we join you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. Our hot stove shows in earnest now with the World Series being completed. The Washington Nationals 2019 World Series champions in an odd World Series in that the road team won each of the seven games, including Washington in that dramatic Game 7 on Wednesday night. So congratulations to the Nationals. A couple of Former Indians on that ball club and Jan Gomes, their catcher, and as Drupal Cabrera, their second baseman for much of the postseason. So tip of the cap to them as they can call themselves World Series champions with the Washington Nationals. Coming up on this week's show, a little bit later on, we'll continue our Game of the Week segment. So look back at some of the great games of 2019. We'll feature Shane Bieber in this week's edition, one of his great games in a season of many. We will also hear from Indian Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio, a tribe tale coming your way at the tail end of our show. And after our break coming up shortly here, we will visit with Brian Sweeney, who has been named Indian's bullpen coach. He had been with the ball club on the Major League Coaching staff the past two seasons, but now named bullpen coach for the season to come and also added to the staff for the Indians this year, Ruben Niebla, who had been their minor league pitching coordinator who gained a lot of notoriety from manager Terry Francona for his work with young pitchers who became big keys to this year's team, namely Aaron Savali and Zach Plezak, but many others over the years. And now Ruben Niebla will be a part of the major league staff as the assistant pitching coach. Some news and notes to send your way before we get started with our show today on the the paperwork front, and these were things that were mentioned right at the end of the season. They became official at the end of the the World Series. The Indians have officially exercised the club option for next season for two-time Cy Young Award winner Corey Kluber, trying to bounce back from that injury-plagued 2019 campaign, and they have officially declined the options on infielder Jason Kipnis and reliever Dan Otero. So things starting to come together in terms of the roster for the Indians, who also had some free agents, including Tyler Clippert. He has declared free agency, but that doesn't mean that uh, the Indians would not bring him back. They very well could do that at some point in time. Now, before we get started with our interview with Brian Sweeney, first some news uh, very close to, obviously, the radio booth for the Cleveland Indians and fans of the Indians radio network. Tom Hamilton has been named as a finalist for the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. The 2020 Ford Frick Award ballot has been finalized. Eight 
local broadcasters. This is the year where they are recognized, are on the ballot, and uh, boy, it might not be too long, about a month away when they'll decide on who is this year's Ford Frick Award winner. But uh, Tom Hamilton could be in the Hall of Fame. How about that? Here are the eight finalists for this year's Frick Award. Boston Red Sox longtime radio voice Joe Castiglione. The former voice of the Montreal Expos, Jacques Doucette. He's on the ballot as well. Ken Harrelson, the Hawk. He gone. He's trying to get into the Hall of Fame as well, and uh, certainly a great career for him. Pat Hughes, the longtime voice of the Chicago Cubs. He's on the ballot as well. The late Ned Martin, who for the longest of times was the Boston Red Sox announcer on both radio and television in New England. Mike Shannon, the longtime Cardinals player and then broadcaster, an icon in that town. Uh, He's on the ballot as well. And Dwayne Statz, who's had a long major league career as a television voice for several different teams. And uh, most recently and still going as the television voice of the Tampa Bay Rays. So some stiff competition. It's not a vote. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of a lot of listeners out there wondering, hey, how can I get involved and, and get Hammy into the Hall of Fame? You can't. It comes down to uh, a board that will make that decision, and that includes 11 living Hall of Famers, the likes of which include Marty Brenneman and Bob Costas, uh, people like that, as well as four broadcast historians and columnists. So that's what it'll come down to, and they'll make that decision at the baseball winter meetings in December. So congratulations to Hammy. We're pulling for him, obviously, and uh, hopefully that works out well as he is on the ballot for the Hall of Fame with seven others for the 2020 Ford Frick Award. We'll take a short break and then come back and visit with Brian Sweeney. Stay tuned for that. A very interesting addition to the Indians coaching staff with some great background in terms of where he's been as both a player and a coach and an interesting off-season job as well. That comes your way next on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Buckle up, folks. Here we go again. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Indians making some announcements earlier this week shoring up the coaching staff for the coming season. Brian Sweeney named Major League Baseball uh, bullpen coach and Ruben Niebla named to the Major League staff as an assistant pitching coach. And we're happy to be joined by Brian Sweeney, who's been with the ball club the past couple of seasons in a different role. And and Brian, when you look at, at getting back on the field, I know that's something that I think that everyone wants to be a part of. Uh, you have that opportunity to do that now. I imagine you have to be awfully excited about the season to come. Yeah, Rosie, it's good to talk to you again, and it's I, I am excited about uh, the opportunity to get on the field a little bit more and, um, you know, be out there with, uh, you know, boots on the ground with the players. And for people who don't know, you, you've been with the organization uh, starting two seasons ago. Uh, as a part of the Major League coaching staff, what was your role, and, and how do you think that that may help you in the years to come as you, you get back on the field? I saw my role as uh, an a very cool apprenticeship, uh, to be honest with you, uh, learning from, from Carl, uh, learning from Atch and Tito and the rest of the coaching staff, um, just how, how they go about their business to be, you know, I was doing a lot of uh, things in the background, you know, background work, uh, with advanced scouting, uh, looking into the data to see, to help these guys help the pitchers, um, and position players, uh, you know, be better, uh, at what they do. And, just getting to watch uh, the coaching staff go about their business. I was, I was pretty lucky to be in that learning environment. 
you mentioned that going over scouting reports and, and the data, uh, there's so much of that in this game. And we were talking earlier, how much has it changed, even in that short period of time where you were, you were in your last position as compared uh, toward the end as to when you first started just a couple of years ago? You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's the ever-evolving uh, data revolution. You know, it, it changes often. Um, you know, there's not too many secrets out there. Uh, everybody's always looking for an edge. Um, but, you know, the, the data that's there, it really helps the players get better. And it's important to peel back the layers, um, you know, and find, find that gem in there to, to help the pitcher get ahead in the count. Uh, make one pitch in that, you know, in that, in that at bat that helps them build a, build a different out. It's, uh, it's really cool and, and a fun part of the process uh, as, as a group that when we look through this stuff. And now you're back on the field. And for fans who don't know it, a bullpen coach here in Cleveland, there have been some good ones who have gone on to big things. Most notably, Kevin Cash was a bullpen coach here and and I know had a big impact on Carlos Carrasco early in his career. Uh, as someone who's coached before, you've done it in, in the minor league system with the Phillies. What type of impact do you think you can have on, on pitchers in that bullpen? I really hope I can just keep the tradition going, uh, that Cashy set, that, that at set. Um, you know, keep that a, a strong environment, you know, a healthy culture down there and just be a resource for the pitchers when, when they need it. You know, just because the job titles change doesn't mean our, our process and our goals have changed. You know, we we want to help prepare these guys and make them better than they've ever been and that they've ever dreamed. So, uh, you know, it's just it's an exci- it's an exciting time. And I think any club likes to have that that good experience at the professional level, whether it be major leagues, minor leagues. Uh, you had 73 games over four seasons in the big leagues, but an 18-year career in pro ball. Uh, how does that come into play in terms of uh, maybe understanding a little bit better what, what pitchers go through, whether they're coming or going? It seems like the bullpen's one of those volatile spots on a ball club where there's a lot of movement. Right. You know, I've I... The guys, if they have questions, um, you know, about a certain situation, you know, or how they're feeling on the mound, I've, I've, there's a good chance that I've, I've been in that moment, you know, in, in my career, you know, felt that heartbeat. I've been at the bottom, uh, pitched really bad, <laughs> and I've, I've had a, a little bit of success. So I hope that experience can, um, you know, help gain some trust in uh, the re- relationship I have with the, the pitchers down there. Brian Sweeney joining us, named as uh, Indians bullpen coach for uh, the coming season. And uh, Brian, uh, careers in baseball, my goodness, there's just so many different avenues to to get where you like to be. And and you realize that dream as a player uh, to reach the major leagues. But you started from a small college and and had to go to independent ball. Uh, For maybe those who don't know, how did you you start in pro ball and, and how far down the ladder was it uh, where you had to begin to get where you finally were. Uh, I couldn't even find the ladder at first. I think that that was, I had to go, uh, I had to go buy a ladder to, to start climbing the ladder. Uh, yeah. The, the route I took was definitely not, not normal, but it, what, what a benefit it was for, for, for me as an individual and for, and for my career, you know, going from a small school, no, not being drafted uh, to playing independently. And each step was important in my development, not only as a player, as a coach, uh, as well, to giving me the, the opportunity to, to feel the, the different things throughout, throughout my career. So yeah, once I got on the ladder, it took a quite a long time to get to the point where I wanted to be. And you ended up spending some time in Japan, a couple of seasons over there, 
Uh, what was that like for you? And, and in any way, did, did that help when you returned to the States? What an incredible uh, experience of Japan. What a culture. Uh, we loved it as a family. Uh, my wife and kids were over there. Uh, we homeschooled them one year. The next year, they went to school out there. The food is incredible. They make incredible Italian food. Uh, Mexican food is good. And then, then we're, we're talking about their, their cuisine with the sushi and, and ramens and different soups that are there. Uh, what, what a great experience and, and, and learning as well uh, as a pitcher. Uh, you know, these guys really try to repeat their delivery and be deceptive. Uh, as they're coming down the slope and delivering the ball. And um, I learned, I learned a good amount over there. If anybody gets the opportunity to, uh, to visit, visit Japan and enjoy their cuisine, go ahead and do it. How'd you overcome the language barrier? Oh man, that was quite challenging. Uh, you know, I was there for three years, started doing some uh, Rosetta stone. And I felt like I spoke like a three-year-old after, uh, after those three years, I remember going to my apartment and uh, in Sapporo uh, in, on the island of Hokkaido and my interpreter dropped me off. He said, OK, you know, see you tomorrow. And everything in the apartment, you know, the washing machine, the stove was all in kanji, Japanese, you know, alphabet and katakana. And I'm like, wow, well, we're going to figure this out somehow. And uh, you do. You, you just you you adapt to it. You go to a restaurant and it's, uh, you know, it wasn't in English. You just point at something and hope it. What comes out is, uh, is delicious, and most of the time it was. Does it give you a better appreciation for what some of the, the foreign players go through here, whether they be from Latin America or in the case of, of Yu Chang coming over from the Far East? You hit it right. You definitely hit it right on the head. Um, you know, I played six years of winter ball as well in Venezuela and in Dominican. And then my, seat, my time in Japan has really given me empathy. Um, you know, I, I understand what these guys are going through when, when they come to the United States and how they have to adapt to a different culture, um, sometimes a different game, I, you know, that gives me the opportunity to create a conversation with a player from, uh, from the Dominican or Venezuela, Panama, whatever, or, or, you know, just to talk to, um, you know, a guy from Japan that's over here. I've been through what they've gone through and it's, you know, it's really helpful in, um, in developing conversation. Brian Sweeney joining us, the Indians' new bullpen coach for the season to come. And, and we've been talking a little bit about his background and that conversation we probably could have had oftentimes maybe 25, 30 years ago. Uh, nowadays, not as much, but uh, you have an off-season job. Now, it's, it's not necessarily a, a paying job. You, you piece together a couple of things, but you are a volunteer firefighter uh, in your hometown in upstate New York there. And uh, what led you to that? And, and what are some of the things that, that you go through each offseason to try and be as sharp as you can for that job? Yeah, my dad was a career firefighter in Yonkers, New York. He was on the job for 35 years. So it was, uh, you know, I was often going, going to visit him at the firehouse uh, where, you know, he was at Six Engine in Yonkers. I had, a, had the pole where they would slide down from the second floor. And I'd always love to see my dad do that. They had an old school soda machine and a ping pong table. So it was all about fun but not realizing the importance of the job that my dad was doing um, on a daily basis. And I have friends, I have friends on the job and, and cousins and, fa you know, family members and have a lot of respect for that. And there was, you know, I, I was wanting to do something in the community uh, while I was home and nothing was really sticking uh, for me, you know, for a while. And there was one day I was driving by uh, West Crescent fire department in my neighborhood. And that's when the light, the light bulb went off. I said, that's it. I said, you know, that's it. It's kind of making my dad proud. 
you know, doing something that he, he feels was important and, and, you know, and joining the fire department and helping the community. We need, we need good people that are volunteering because, uh, you know, the departments are getting smaller and smaller and, you know, we, we need help each day. What are some of the biggest challenges you, you face trying to do that in, in the course of your off season? Well, you know, when you come home, you know, the quality time that I get with my family is typically in the off season because we travel so much in season. And, uh, you know, when you have to respond uh, at a moment's notice or if there's training, you have to stay sharp in your training. It's, uh, you know, these are perishable skills. You can you can lose it if you, you lose it if you're not if you're not doing it um, often. Um, so it definitely takes a little bit away from from the family time. But you have to realize that this is a bad day. When, when you're calling 911 or, or there's an alarm going off there, you know, this is probably a bad day for an individual. And we want to have the people around that can go and help and, uh, and make it a better day for them. So there's, there's constant training. Um, you know, I have, I have a class that, that goes from uh, the beginning of starts Monday and goes through mid-December uh, just to sharpen my skills. So when we get on an incident scene that I'm, I'm able to be helpful and able to communicate with uh, my fellow firefighters. It's just a, an outstanding uh, endeavor in the off-seasons for sure. And, Brian, thanks so much for coming by and, and sharing a little bit. Uh, interesting stuff to be sure. I look forward to seeing you at spring training. Thanks, Rosie. It was good to talk to you. That's Brian Sweeney, the Indians' new bullpen coach for the coming season as uh, the Tribe starts to round out that Major League staff and get it all prepared for the 2020 season. Stay tuned. More to come. We'll have Tribe Talk continuing from Progressive Field after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. You having fun yet, folks? Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Don't forget so many different ways to catch our show each week. Of course, you can do it on the radio. Tribe Talk airing every Saturday on the Indians radio network. We usually send it down the line at 5 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, so a lot of stations pick it up right then. But check your local listings to see the uh, exact time in your area each Saturday or Sunday for Tribe Talk. You can also pick it up online at Indians.com, all the archived editions right there. And it's also available as a podcast on Apple iTunes or the iHeartRadio app. Well, each week during the offseason, or at least on a regular basis during the offseason, we do send along our Game of the Week segment. And uh, this week, we take a look back at some of the great games of 2019, and we fall on Sunday, May the 19th, one of the great games for Shane Bieber and an early indicator that it was going to be a special season for Bieber. As you know, he went on to become an American League All-Star and eventually earned All-Star Game MVP honors for striking out the side in order in the Midsummer Classic held in Cleveland last July. Today, again, May the 19th, the Indians were taking on the Baltimore Orioles. A beautiful Sunday afternoon, 84 degrees, an early look at summertime in mid-May in downtown Cleveland. The Indians still laboring in the early portion of the season. They came in 24-20 and 20 on the season, well back of the first place in red-hot Minnesota Twins. They were taking on an Orioles ball club that was struggling and would continue to struggle on the season. The Orioles at this point were just 15-30. and 30. Now, Bieber shut down the Orioles in the top half of the first inning, and then in the bottom of the inning, 
the Indians went to work as they got the scoring started with Carlos Santana at the plate. A swing and a line drive, base hit to right. Indians take the lead. Hitting second, motoring to third is Kipnis. one nothing Tribe as Lindor scores on Santana's RBI single to right. And the Indians lead one to nothing. Santana gets his 26th run batted in. Tops on the ball club. And the Indians are off to a great start. A sack fly and a run on a passed ball would make it 3 nothing Tribe. And then in the third, Santana went back to work. The pitch swung in and blasted to deep right. Away, back and gone. Santana homered to dead center yesterday. And a laser to right here in the third. And the Indians have a 4 nothing lead. So Santana with his team-high seventh home run and a team-high 27 RBIs. The Indians continued to show some positive signs offensively as Roberto Perez drove in a run with a ground out. That made it 5 nothing, And then in the sixth, a big moment for Oscar Mercado, who was playing in just his fourth game after being called up earlier in the week. Gabriel Inoa is spelled Y-N-O-A. The pitch swung on line drive, base hit to left. Near the line, it'll get down and go to the wall. Mercado gets his first Major League RBI, a stand-up double down the left field line, scoring Martin from second. So mom and dad are back in Tampa. They saw the first Major League hit yesterday, and now their son has a Major League RBI. It's his second double. And the Indians have a 6-0 lead. Mercado later scored on a Baltimore error, and then a bases-loaded walk to Jose Ramirez, and after six innings, the Indians continued to pull away. However, even with all the runs being scored, the big story was happening on the mound, courtesy of Shane Bieber. The pitch swung on and missed. There it is. A new career high, 12 strikeouts for Shane Bieber. He has another 10-pitch inning. He is as dominant as we've ever seen him. And with 12 strikeouts, a five-hit shutout through seven innings for Shane Bieber. VR lifted for a pinch hitter, and Richie Martin steps in and takes strike three. Wow, how good is Bieber today? Another nine-pitch inning. And Shane Bieber... Now with 13 strikeouts, a career best. Does he get a shot at his first complete game career shutout? Nothing into the count on Chris Davis. The pitch. Check swing. Did he go? Yes, he did. Third curveball in the dirt. Perez picks it up. No need to tag Davis out. He walks away. Ball game. A career first Complete game, a career first shutout, a career best, 15 strikeouts, and Shane Bieber dominates the Baltimore Orioles with a five-hit shutout, and the Indians wallop the birds 10 to nothing. Bieber finished with 15 strikeouts, his career best and one of the higher numbers in an Indians game by a pitcher in quite some time. The next day, we had a chance to visit with 
the future American League All-Star, on the warm-up show, and he talked about his outstanding outing against Baltimore. Yeah, it was a it was a special day for me. Um, I didn't really know of all that kind of history and, and what's come before me, and it's nice to be able to read up on all that and, and obviously in some pretty good company, so I feel pretty pretty honored and, and special to be you know, a part of that group. But um, just reflecting on yesterday, it was, a, it was a, a really good day, a career day for me, and I'll, it's something I'll hold close to me for a little while. You mentioned a history, and I know not all players follow it as close as others, but uh, when you hear the names of Louis Tian and, and Sam McDowell, much closer to home, Corey Kluber, mm-hmm. uh, in that stratosphere of, of the 15-plus strikeouts, uh, was that kind of fun looking back on that or at least hearing about it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, that wasn't really something I expected, and I didn't really uh, know what was going on while it was happening. So to come off the, off the mound and kind of hear that and um, let it sink in a little bit later was pretty special. But, uh, you know, obviously that's a, that's a great group to be a part of, and I'm honored. So much of this game is about adjustments, and we kind of touched on it after the game yesterday, but uh, you're coming off a game where you allow the four home runs and sometimes reasons why it covers the gamut, but what did you take from that outing that, that maybe had a positive impact on yesterday? I just think I executed a little bit better yesterday. I think I made less mistakes, and then, uh, you know, fortunately, the way the ball bounces sometimes in this game, when I did make mistakes yesterday... Um, you know, either they didn't get hit or we made some pretty good plays behind me. So owe a lot to the defense and the offense getting ahead and in front of me early and allowed me to settle into, a, you know, a comfortable rhythm um, early on in the game. But just making a little bit less mistakes and, and trying to uh, execute pitches, and I feel like I executed a lot, of, a lot better pitches yesterday. Game planning, always a big part of it. And I don't know the exact number, but it seemed like a lot of fastballs were called third strikes on the Orioles. Was that something that, that you had noticed and, and were trying to attack and take advantage of when you got two strikes? You know, I wouldn't say that was um, you know, like part of the game plan going into it, but uh, just reading swings and Berto and I were on the same page and he called a tremendous game yesterday and just having trust in him and what he's seeing and what I'm seeing and working together and kind of using that and then uh, you know going off of that and, and, and making adjustments in game was, was big for us yesterday. But uh, yeah, it just so happens they took a a, f- a few called third strikes uh, on fastballs and then was able to get him chasing on a few other ones. So um, all in all, it was a pretty good pretty good outing. You come off after the eighth inning, you're right close to 100 pitches. And uh, explain what was going on in the dugout and how important it was to you to, to be able to have that opportunity to go out for the night. Um, yeah, I could read Tito's body language coming down the steps. He was ready to let me go. Um, and then Carl wanted to have a conversation. Um, and I, <laughs> he called my name and I kind of walked right past him. And uh, he caught up to me at the, the other end of the dugout and said, how much does it mean to you? And I said, a lot. And that was pretty much the end of the conversation. Um, he walked away and fortunately was able to go out there and, and get the next three guys. Um, I, don't, I don't know what their plan was, if they were going to give me a base runner or whatever it may have been. But, um, you know, fortunately it, it shook out the way it did. And you've had some, some higher pitch count games this year. And I, I know you mentioned during spring training, the, some of the things you did this offseason to, to take your game to that next level. And is that coming into play now as, as you get deeper into the season? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for me was in this offseason was uh, really just refining my secondary stuff, especially the changeup. And didn't use that as much yesterday as I have in the last uh, last month or so, but I feel like I used it enough and made guys aware of it enough that uh, you know they're still thinking about it and I was able to execute my other pitches um, where I needed to. But uh, really just trying to come out there with, with four strike, four pitches in the zone and, and being able to work off of that was big yesterday. 
Uh, we started talking about history and some of the, the great names of the past. And uh, the one who's here, still here, Corey Kluber, had the 18 strikeout game. Did you guys talk av much after the game yesterday? Uh, just a little bit. He said congrats, enjoy it, and, and soak it in. And, and that was kind of the extent of it because there was so much going on yesterday, um, you know, for everybody. But uh, looking back, I, I actually watched his 18 strikeout highlight probably like a month ago, and that was just ridiculous. That was the first time I went back and, and watched that. I remember when it happened. Um, you know, a few years ago, but went back and watched the highlights, and that was a ridiculous performance. So just to be able, be able to even be mentioned in that same kind of category or sentence is, is really cool. Yeah, it was a special day yesterday for sure. Shane, thanks for coming by. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And the following day, Tribe Manager Terry Francona visiting with Tom Hamilton talked about the dominant outing from Bieber. Well, Shane Bieber didn't miss any spots. 15 strikeouts, first complete game, in fact, he'd never gone more than seven innings in the major leagues. And uh, Tito, it's, I don't know, can you pitch a whole lot better than what he did yesterday? No, is the answer. I mean, he, on a day when the wind was really blown out, he picked a good day to have swing and miss stuff. Because that's the best breaking ball we've seen him have yet. And again, the, the way the ballpark was playing. And it's not just that the ball's going to blow out. It's just that every hitter has a lot more confidence because, I mean, the wind's going out. That's just, it's common sense. And he, what, he had 14, 15 strikeouts and was just in command the whole day. And he didn't, it wasn't like it was a, an, a, a crazy number of pitches. I mean, he did it economically. thought it was interesting afterwards, Carl Willis, your pitching coach, had made mention about how after the eighth inning he went and asked, um, you know, Shane, how important is this complete game or shutout for you? I thought that was interesting, Tito. You you talked to players about that. Well, part of we wanted a tarot to pitch an inning. And we were balancing, you know, and, and we were Carl and I were talking and we kinda came to the conclusion, go ask Bieber, because he had never pitched a shutout and, and you know, before and, we wanted to know how important it was. And you could tell by the way he reacted. He wanted to go get it. So as long as it was within a you know, a pitch count where we didn't think it was going to affect the next start, we, we, we said okay. Is that part two for a young kid to have him be able to go out there and finish, have those kind of feelings? Uh, because, yeah, it's a shutout. You know you're going to win. But you also don't know it's going to be a shutout, do you? Right. And and he's going to have a lot more in his career, if if you ask me. But I think the first one is pretty special. He was pretty fired up, as he should have been. Um, again, Otero got up and threw in the bullpen, so that was good because you're always trying to manage that bullpen because you, just like you don't want to overuse guys, you don't want to underuse guys either. So a great day for the second-year major leaguer Shane Bieber, who turned into one of the aces of the Indian staff in a season where they needed some of their younger pitchers to step forward due to injuries to solid veterans like Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco. But Bieber certainly was responding to the challenge and gave an early look at how dominant he could be in this game, our Game of the Week, a look back at some of the great games of 2019. Stay tuned. When we return, Indian Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio has another Tribe Tale. That comes your way next as Tribe Talk continues on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Wow, what a ball game, huh? It's time for another Tribe Tale with Bob DiBiasio. Joining me now on this special My Greatest Moment edition of Tribe Tales is Holbert 
Cabrera. Let's set the scene. It's July 29th, 2000, at Baltimore, a doubleheader. Because we had a rain out on a Thursday night, there's a day-night doubleheader. You get an opportunity, Holbert, to uh, play in both games, and a heck of a night for you. Well, you know, it was one of those nights where the night before I wasn't even in the lineup. And Kenny, the, the day early game of the, on the 29th of July, uh, come in and say that he got a tight hamstring. So I end up leading off and playing center field for him. Who knows? I end up having five hits in that game. <laughs> well, he actually hit ninth uh, yep. in game Rocks, one, but yep. you had you were five for five. Yeah, that's right. That's you were right. five for five with a run scored and an RBI in the top of the second. You singled, then you doubled in the third, singled in the fifth, singled in the sixth, and you uh, also had a single to right field in the top of the eighth. So you had singles to center, singles to right, singles to left and a double to left field and, and that I drove think, in a run. And I think one of those was a bone, bone single. A bone single. Yeah. So you yeah. were on it. Yeah. yeah. That, that was one a One of those day. great – and you didn't – obviously, uh, you didn't get an opportunity to uh, play every day. So to yeah. come off the bench and have a five-for-five five day, that's pretty special. Yeah, definitely. When you're playing in, in that kind of team, you know, any opportunity that you that you get to contribute, uh, you just bless. I'm, I'm, I'm – was really blessed just being a part of that team. Well, there were 47,715 at Camden Yards for that game. Tribe up ends up winning 14 to three in that ball game. We were uh, uh, a much better team than the O's at that time. 52 and 48 going in the game. They struggle at 43 and 58. Anything else you remember about game one? Well, game one after after that, you know, like I say, early in the day, Kenny show up early and he goes to a training room and he goes, my hamstring is tight, so, you know, you know in the lineup. So after that five for five, I feel like Kenny maybe feel a little bit of Wiley Pip coming his way. <laughs> A little bit of Wally Pip action. Wally there. Pip action yeah. coming his way. Did he way. try to get back he, in the lineup Second game, game he showed up because it's a day night, so about 5 o'clock we show up, and he's there, and he's like, I'm ready to go. Um, <laughs> they said, no, no. Fortunately for me, they said, no, 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 no. You rest, you know. Hobie got this. He got yeah, this. You did because of game two, you ended up leading off in game yes. two, playing center field and went two for five. You actually let off um, with a bunt single to go six for six in yeah. your first six plate appearances. Yeah, no, very special. Uh, still had the, the baseball. Uh, actually, I think you wrote everything about that day. My mom having in the house. Very special moment in my career. Yeah, that's really fun. Those are the kind of things that uh, you just cherish when you uh, yeah. can think back and and those fun, fun days, they're not a whole always fun on the baseball diamond because you, yes. uh, you get beat up a little bit, but that was a fun one. Yeah, um, make it even special. Me and Omar, I, I, I think I went 5 for 5 The first game, Omar went 5 for 4 Then Omar in the next game, Omar had three hits, so we ended up the, about the same. Uh, seven hits seven and five at-bats. Right. We had lunch together. Oh, so <laughs> the next yeah. day you probably had lunch together oh, again. 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 Again, yeah. <laughs> That's the way it works Definitely. in baseball. Well, that was a great moment. Thank you for sharing, Holbert, and 
On behalf of Indians fans everywhere, we wish you and yours the very best. You know, always, uh, you know, the Cleveland Indians is uh, have a big part of my heart. I'm, I'm always going to be an Indian, so thank, thank you, you for the opportunity. Holbert Cabrera, our latest Tribe Tale. That's going to do it for this edition of Tribe Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Until then, for Brian Matze, who always does great work putting together our shows back at our network studios, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.